the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I don't have to worry about Andrew C. McCarthy, former federal prosecutor, uh, editor at thenationalreview.com, editor-at-large, and author of many fine books. He joined, he's now got a podcast, which I did not know about until this week, The McCarthy Report. Andy, welcome back. Thank you for joining me. You, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Andy, uh, you live near New York City, and you know what traffic is like. Would you let President Biden drive around New York City if he was, if you two were driving somewhere together, would you let him get behind the wheel? Oh, my God. I, I, right now, Hugh, I, and I don't take any pleasure in saying this. This is not about politics. It's about uh, being humane. But I wouldn't let him ride around my backyard right now. That's, that is basically it. We're talking about the president should resign. And I'm very adamant about this because it's dangerous. But the her report, which is the predicate for my going from he shouldn't win re-election to he should resign right now, uh, was discussed by you and Rich Lowry in the McCarthy report. And I, I want to salute you for walking through it. And I want to be that professional. Would you explain to us why the her report was released when it didn't have to be released? Yeah, the regulations that control this, you uh, the special counsel regulations in the CFR, um, they provide that the, uh, the special counsel must write a report at the end explaining his charging decisions. And it's not just a matter of, you know, trying to make an evaluation of how a person, if you charged him, would, uh, you know, would, would uh, affect a jury in terms of what the person's uh, mental capacity might be. That goes to the importance of, you know, whether he committed the offenses that are charged, which we can talk about because there's a temporal difference between, you know, when you commit the offenses and, and how, what his condition might be now. But importantly, you know, a U.S. attorney, when I was a prosecutor for 20 years, and I was explaining why we shouldn't charge somebody when the evidence appeared to be sufficient, one of the things that you'd be expected to explain is we might be in a six-month to a year litigation over whether the guy is fit to stand trial. And even if a defendant doesn't want to raise that, a competent defense lawyer would raise it. So you would have to lay that all out in the report. Um, so the report requires that the special counsel give this information in the form of the report to the attorney general. Then it's up to the attorney general to decide what, if any, portions of the report to release. And I think the, the thing is that we've had this wave of special prosecutors since the 1970s, and there's come to be a public and political expectation that these reports get publicized. But they're presumptively in the regulations, they're confidential. Explicitly, what the reg says is the special counsel shall provide a confidential report to the attorney general laying out what I just described. And then it's up to the attorney general how much of it to publicize. So in this instance, that decision was made 
by Merrick Garland. I understand that there would have been a political firestorm if he redacted portions or withheld the report. But the fact of the matter is, this is a decision that Merrick Garland made, not the special counsel. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because I was on a show with E.J. Dion, a friend of mine for a long time. He got very exercised with me uh, because I brought up the fact the president should resign. But also, he just is simply wrong about Bill Barr and the report that Barr received uh, about uh, from Mueller because he right. said Barr sat on it for three weeks and Merrick Garland turned it out. And we should be very – in fact – I believe that Barr didn't sit on it, but that grand jury information had to be redacted, that they had asked Team Mueller to redact it. They didn't redact it. Am I remembering that correctly, Andrew? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. No, that's exactly right. In fact, the Justice Department, you had taken a position in a separate matter in connection with Rule 6E of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, which, which controls grand jury matters about whether and to whom they were disclosable and under what circumstances. And what the Justice Department was arguing was that you had to honor the text of Rule 6E, and therefore they couldn't just give the information to Congress. But if you remember, when when Barr did, uh, after three weeks, return that or turn that report over and make it public, um, first of all, only about 4% of it, I think, was withheld. And what we saw was it wasn't particularly the stuff that was withheld wasn't particularly interesting. It actually was authentically grand jury material. It wasn't like they were holding back the bad stuff on Trump. Every page was bad stuff on Trump. Uh, So I don't think he withheld the substance of the report. But what they did was they had asked Mueller to go through the report and identify the grand jury material. He didn't do it. So they had to go through it. Yeah, I just want people to know that going in. Now, Andrew, in your opinion, did the report, the her report, quote, exonerate, close quote, Joe Biden? Well, no, obviously it didn't. I mean, you know, look, if you're talking to you about, um, you know, we think the jury would be sympathetic to him, then you're already as a prosecutor at the point of having decided that he committed all the acts that are necessary to violate the law. And what we're down to is we have sufficient evidence that we can get to a jury on intent. It's just a question of how they'll weigh it. So already out of the box, if you're talking about how we, you know, how his condition would impact the jury, you've already decided that he did the acts that were necessary to commit the crime. And then I think the report is flawed on two grounds, primarily. One is the special counsel, her 
found willfulness, which is the highest mental element standard in the criminal law, the statute 793, which is uh, the codification of the Espionage Act, it only requires finding gross negligence. So if you found willfulness, gross negligence should be a layup. I don't really think he evaluated it under that. It's like they it's like they pretend that provision. It's like doing Hillary Clinton all over again. It's like they pretend that provision uh, is not in the statute. And then the second thing, which I referred to a second ago, is this temporal aspect of it. Um, Joe Biden may be mentally uh, compromised and diminished right now, but the issue in a in a criminal case is what was his state of mind at the time the criminal acts took place. So if he's a diminished person now, that's one thing. But if you look at the the incidents we're talking about, some of this goes back to when he was in the Senate, which is I think he left the Senate 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, and some of it is when he's in the the vice presidency, which I think he left eight years ago. So we're talking about a very different Joe Biden at the time the acts got committed. Right now, his mental state may be relevant to whether he's fit to stand trial, which is a very different issue from what his mental state was at the time the acts were committed. Now, I um, I want to play for you Bob Bauer yesterday on Face the Nation to get your reaction. He's asked by Margaret Brennan, why don't you just release the transcripts or the tapes of the depot if you're going to argue the president's competent? He responds, cut number 17. Yes, I'm drawing here on my recollections, but yes, there are transcripts. And as you heard um, Ian Sams in the press briefing room say, you know, there are discussions underway because it's a classified document about Mm -hmm. what could or whether will be or when released. I can't add anything to that today. Do you favor releasing them? Well, it's really a decision that has to take place within the government. It's a classified document. I'm the president's personal counsel. Right. Would you recommend that these be made public if they indeed back up your personal record? Again, there's a process underway. I'm not a specialist in that process. And so I really have to defer to those who have to work through those issues. Andrew McCarthy, your reaction to that? I think he'd be tripping over himself if he thought the transcripts and whatever recordings there are back up the idea that Biden's perfectly competent. That yep. You know, I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, that defense lawyer is not affected by a personal defense lawyer. He's it's not relevant to him that it's classified information or that there's a process. If you think that there's stuff there that exonerates your client or backs up the position he's taking publicly, you're screaming for it. Yes. That, that, yeah, there are so many bad legal takes. Did you watch much commentary on this over the weekend? No, I read a lot of it, but I didn't watch much. Andrew, over the last eight years, we've had four cases involving either classified documents or the um, False Statements Act. We've got uh, Hillary Clinton, who uh, is associated with Jim James Comey, though he's an investigator, not a prosecutor there. We've got Joe Biden in the Her report. We've got Donald Trump and the Mueller report and Donald Trump and the Jack Smith report, and and we had Michael Flynn's case. Are the standards across these five cases the same standard when it comes to classified documents and false statements? No, they've been treated very differently. They, the You know, Trump, every bounce of the ball has gone against him, uh, and every bounce of the ball has gone in favor of, the Democrat, including, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton in particular, um, just to show how different the standards of investigation were in the Trump investigations. It became routine 
for the prosecutors to go to the court and get the attorney-client privilege waived so that attorneys could testify uh, against their clients and provide information that uh, the court said was uh, the attorney-client privilege was pierced because of what's known as the crime fraud exception. In the Hillary Clinton investigation, the Justice Department, the Obama-Biden Justice Department, consulted with the Clinton lawyers about what the FBI would be allowed to look at and even what questions they would be allowed to ask. There was a, uh, a, a deep hesitation to even use grand jury subpoenas in those investigations, whereas the, the Trump investigations in particular were handled not only by aggressive prosecutors, but like aggressive prosecutors who were hell-bent on making a case, even if, and I believe this to be the case with, with Jack Smith's uh, Washington prosecution in particular, even if they had to really stretch laws in order, in order to bring charges under circumstances where just last term, the Supreme Court, in the cases involving the two Cuomo cronies whose convictions got thrown out, they were very clear in that case that they want prosecutors to stop this creative stretching of uh, you know old criminal uh, statutes to new situations that they weren't that Congress didn't contemplate when they enacted those statutes. So I, I think you, from soup to nuts, the cases have been handled very differently. And does that give rise to a legitimate concern? You know, the MAGA folks, the hardcore Trump folks, are convinced that it's a witch hunt and that they're going after Trump. And I have a mixed view and a very nuanced view about some of this. The obstruction charge, I haven't seen his defense yet, but that's a serious charge. I do, however, think anyone who, who would look at these four things, five things objectively, two Mullers, Mueller and, and Smith and Joe and her and Hillary and Comey and Michael Flynn, they'd say, this is a mess. All of this is politicized. What happened to the Department of Justice? I was only there uh, for two AGs. You were there a lot longer, and you're an actual real lawyer. What do you think of the DOJ these days? Well, I think in these kinds of cases, it's hyper-political. I've also been – I've always thought from the beginning of the Biden administration in particular that uh, Biden, encouraged by his base, encouraged by some you know left-wing historians, thought that he had a chance of being like the next FDR. And he never had – the margins in Congress that were capable of delivering that, uh, even if he was, uh, you know, an FDR type in, in terms of political shrewdness, et cetera. Um, but when you can't deliver legislatively, and this goes to a point that I think you're raising in the things that you've written over the weekend about the administrative state, when you can't deliver legislatively as the Constitution is intended, what a president can do is use these agencies, and the, and the Justice Department is probably at the top of the list, to try to pursue the things that you can't achieve legislatively. And that, I think, widens the ambit of what is politicized with the Justice Department, which is a really bad thing. We need a Justice Department uh, that, you know, calls balls and strikes and is not. If people forget when, when John Mitchell went to run the campaign for Nixon, he left justice. And yep. you've got to leave justice if you're going to be involved in politics. So I want you to make sense out of this Matt Visor story for me. I'm going to read four paragraphs for the audience. Biden at times told her he had limited knowledge of how the documents ended up where they did. He was asked at one point how a binder labeled Bo, Iowa, 
ended up in a well-worn box in his garage that also contained sensitive government material. Bo Biden, the president's son, died of brain cancer in 2015. Somebody must have packed this up, just picked up all this stuff and put it in a box because I didn't, he said, according to Hur's report. Hur later recounted that Biden could not remember exactly what year his vice presidential tenure began or ended, citing that as evidence that his memory was significantly limited. The president's allies forcefully reject that characterization. At some point, the discussion turned to the year when Bo died. Hur later reported that Biden could not recall the year with specificity. Biden has angrily denied not knowing when his son passed away, adding that it was not Hur's business to ask such a question in the first place. This is the killer line, Andy. It is unclear exactly how Bo Biden came up during the interview. <laughs> do, you, do you know how Bo Biden might have come up during the interview, given the first paragraph? <laughs> you know, look, I, I've, I've said from the beginning of, of this, since it emerged that we found out that the vice or the president had uh, these documents, I thought that the, the problem he was going to have was that there was a rationale for having them uh, that unfortunately for him was illegal, but at least it made sense. And that is that he was writing a memoir about the interweaving of his responsibilities as vice president, where uh, President Obama had given him basically the big ticket on a lot of big foreign policy issues and American governance with respect to a lot of troubled spots in the world, how that intermingled with the uh, painful months and uh, months that went by while his son was dying. And, um, you know, obviously for his sake, if you're going to write a memoir like that, you want to make sure you have everything right. So I always believed that he had a lot of these materials because of that project. And it's totally understandable. Look, when I write books, you you were kind enough to mention that I've, I've written a few. I always want to go back. I find myself researching things that I lived through because I'd be, you know, painfully embarrassed if I wrote them up and, uh, I, you know, got key details wrong. So I understand why he would want that. Uh, the problem is he's not allowed to have classified information in places where it's not supposed to be. And it doesn't surprise me that the special counsel found that he acted willfully because because he knew what the rules were and he had a conscious purpose to break them. Uh, the fact that it's like a rational purpose helps us understand it, but it doesn't make it legal. No, th there have been a lot of documents cases. Two of them I want to add to the list I gave you. David Petraeus, who had to resign as director of the CIA because of showing right. a classified document to a, a third party who was not cleared to see it. And then Sandy Berger, who stole documents from the National Archives. The standard is all over the place. But under whatever standard that we've got, do you think the president should have been charged? Well, I don't want to cop out here. He can't be charged while he's president, right? Oh, that's right. You're right. No, you're right. you're absolutely right. It's very troublesome, though, because uh, just as an aside, you that rule is intended to respect the the awesome responsibilities of the presidency. It's not supposed to give the president a legal advantage. But the fact is, if you don't indict Biden and he won the next election, the statute of limitations would run and he couldn't be charged. So I, I've always thought that rule is peculiar. I think that you should be able to indict the president and put it under seal until his term is over to stop the statute of limitations from running. But I do think as a matter of law, he should have been charged. And it, it occurred to me when I did my reading assignment that you gave me and read this uh, visor piece at the Washington Post 
Um, you know, in Hur's report, when he when he talks about the things that Biden said, he quotes them like some yes. of them are, um, you know, like uh, when am I vice president? You know, they kind of sound peculiar, but it sounds to me like her is writing from recordings or transcripts, whereas this report from uh, Visor at The Washington Post is clearly the spin of, you know, of President Biden's lawyers and aides. Um, but I think the way that report is written, he's going he's painstakingly quoting what Biden actually said from recordings. And the other thing I would point out is that he gave this report to Garland, who had to decide what to make public. Garland would have been in a position to ask him, are you sure he said that? Can I see the transcript? Can I see? Can I hear the report? Good point. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he would have put this out unless it was a, an, a truthful and accurate assessment of what Biden said. And I also would just point out to people, it seems to me there was daunting evidence with which to charge you or, or at least to recommend charges. So why you think that her had it into this guy by simply making observations about the way his mind seems to be working these days? When he didn't charge him under circumstances where he couldn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Now, now talk to me a little bit about, and, and let me say, I am a former ghostwriter. I have ghostwritten a number of books, and so ghostwriters are near and dear to me. I've been ghostwriting since 1978. So ghostwriters, I don't want to throw ghostwriters under the bus, but it seems to me this ghostwriter obstructed justice. And he could have been indicted, and they could have named the president as an unindicted co-conspirator as Richard Nixon was named because of the policy at OLC that you don't indict sitting presidents. What about the ghostwriter, Andy? He destroyed stuff in anticipation of investigation. Yeah, it reminded me very much, you of the Hillary Clinton situation where they had that guy who who bleach bit the, yes. uh, the servers who claimed that he didn't do it because he was instructed, even though it happened like right after one of Clinton's aides spoke to him, he gets the bleach bit out and does this. And he says, no, 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 this was all on me. I, you know, I thought it up myself. And of course, you're talking before about the different ways these cases get handled. Rather than charge him, what did the Justice Department do? The Biden, you know, the Obama-Biden Justice Department. They gave him immunity. Yeah. <laughs> after which he just said, the same nonsense that he had told them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, how it, you know, <laughs> it's laughable. So let's get to the most important thing. I am of the firm opinion that the president is impaired. I've always thought he was infirm, but that's not impaired. There are different words. Infirm like, just means, yep. boy, he gets tired easily. He walks funny. I don't know if he's on his game. Impaired means he can't remember what people told him. And that's dangerous, Andy. Do you think it is a legitimate position to hold? And tell me if you don't, that the president ought to resign. No, I think it's a totally legitimate position. I believe it as well. Um, I don't think, see, I, I even though I'm um, a lawyer and even play one on TV occasionally, I, I think the way the framers set up our government, most of the important conclusions are political ones rather than legal ones. And the 25th Amendment is a political conclusion. You know, if the vice president and half the cabinet uh, invoke it, uh, you know, the, the amendment allows them to do it. But there's no legal standard. It's obviously intended for, you know, the Woodrow Wilson or, you know, if JFK had survived for a while after the shooting, that's kind of a situation where the president is totally debilitated. 
But that, you know, there's a difference between what you must do and what you should do. And even if there is some situation where absolutely you must invoke the 25th Amendment, if the president's compromised, he's 81 and he's thinking about being president until he's 86. I mean, are you kidding the way he's functioning now? So I, I, I don't agree with Joe Biden about anything, but I think he probably loves America. Oh, yeah. Do the right thing and, and step down. Yeah. So I want to close with this, Andy, in terms of, of the hoopla around this report. I have not seen any objective evaluation of it yet. Who do you think has done the best job on the left of being honest about the implications of this report? Have you seen anyone on the left actually assess this under the same standards that they applied into the Mueller case? Well, no, I haven't seen anything like the same standards, but I thought the Mueller case was um, was over the top. Um, I haven't seen a lot of good legal commentary. I've seen some good political commentary. I thought, you know, frankly, I thought Paul Begala's reaction yes. to this was, you know, exactly what I hope I would say under the circumstances, even if it was my guy who was getting hurt, which is that, you know, this is really bad. Yeah. Uh, I think Axelrod's been, he's been very straight on this uh, from the beginning with respect to Biden, and he's gotten a lot of blowback from that. Um, I, I what I find unfortunately, Hugh, with um, with commentary, legal commentary on the other side, is that when you raise these things, it, it immediately devolves into a conversation about like, what about Trump? Yes. And the thing is, I don't have a brief for Trump. I'm just I'm dealing with Biden now. And you were kind enough to to mention our podcast. Um, I encourage people if they want to, you know, I we try to call it as we see it with respect to Trump, too. And so, he does not uh, carry the former president's water at all. Neither does Rich Lowry. It is this is just dry legal analysis. And the president is in trouble. Andrew C. McCarthy. Thank you, my friend. Good luck in uh, in getting where you're going. I appreciate the time this morning. Follow him on exit. Andrew C. McCarthy. Go get the McCarthy report and follow it as I do. I'm very discriminating about my my podcast, but now the McCarthy Report is in my feed. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. Send them to our website, townhallreview.com. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.